0: Hello there, excuse me, hello, this is Henry Harris, Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, modesty, dignity, and your inner world. Okay, let's begin. So, when we're speaking of the nature of the spiritual, the spiritual foundations of your mental health, what we are emphasizing is that your well-being is completely unconditional of the world around you, the circumstances of your present, your past, what you imagine to be your future, any perception that your experience moment to moment is being shaped by those events or anything else of this world is a misunderstanding. And inside that misunderstanding, it is absolutely normal to perceive that our well-being is conditional. It's dependent. It is resting or reliant on things going a certain way or having been a certain way, any degree to which we perceive that the events and the circumstances of our lives, or anything for that matter, is shaping our moment-to-moment mood or feeling, that is, it's it's inherently a misunderstanding. And so what we can do inside that misunderstanding is we can come to draw conclusions about ourselves, about our lives, about our, the people in our lives. This feeling is bad, it hurts, and therefore there's something wrong. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my past. There's something wrong with this relationship. Now, that's not to say that there aren't reasons to take responsibility to intervene or to respond to, to circumstances in life, but there's a world of a difference between a response and a reaction, and a, a reaction is when we feel kind of under threat. A, a, a reactive response is an experience of feeling ourselves to be, to be under threat, to being um, the fear we have or the anger we have or the uh, upset that we have. In as much as it's, it's, it's a direct kind of uh, a threat attack, it's only human and natural to react. And it's not really, con- it's not really so. Um, it's not so. It's not really even. A, a, it doesn't look like an option. It just we react, right? That's all consistent with an understanding that says that your experience of life is being shaped by the circumstances around you, and your job, to the extent that you can, is to fix circumstances to your liking, avoid circumstances to your dislike. And your life is dependent on it. Your real well-being, your your psychological well-being is dependent on you avoiding, fixing, changing, managing, controlling. And that's, let me just say, as someone who's certainly encountered that and experienced that, and still does to a certain extent, um, that's not easy. That's not an easy life, and it certainly doesn't feel like a life in which my psychological well-being is unconditional. The alternative is that your your you your well-being is always you're always connected to a source of wisdom the degree to which you might lose sight of that and feel yourself to be uh, compromised weak shameful in some manner by virtue of these deficiencies that's simply a, a misunderstanding. That is, uh, in the same way that a person might personally identify with the weather out there in the world, what's wrong with me that the, the weather, I just can't seem to get the weather right. I, it's just not sunny and it's not b- bright and beautiful. It's stormy gray, uh, whatever. To the, it, it, it's, it's really the case that there is a, 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 a person could take that personally and that would be a tough life. It would be a very tough life to live in a way that feel, one feels linked. His well-being is linked to the weather going on out there and there's certain weather that's good and there's certain weather that's bad. That is tough. I don't wish that on anyone, and I, I've tasted it, and there are times where I still do. Um, rather, we are experiencing a divine flow. Moment to moment to moment, there is a, a, a renewing energy That is not of this world. Everything in this world is itself reliant on that energy. And it is expressing itself and allowing for everything in this world to continue moment to moment, including the shifts that I'm experiencing in my moods and my feelings. And I'm definitely experiencing shifts in my moods and feelings. Um, So that flow is a divine flow. That's something... That I'm not responsible for, I'm not the author of, and I don't account for it. And it's not personal to me. It's not personal to me in the sense that it, when it's light and f- warm, because uh, uh, it's because I'm doing well, or when it's difficult and fearful, it's because I'm I'm doing poorly. It's a uh, it's a flow. And what I have the opportunity to realize is that it's not really telling me about me the quality of my personality my life it's really just telling me about the nature of of this moment's flow it's just telling me about my now and jewish wisdom tells us that we will it promises us that we will experience a variety of feelings a variety of flows the mitzvah in the torah the commandment in the torah to love our creator with both it says with 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 the hebrew word levavchad it's 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 a strange expression of the word heart. Your heart is really written libecha with one letter base. The fact that the Torah writes it as levavcha with two letters, two letter bases. The Talmud is bothered by it and asks, what's the reason for the extra letter? And it answers, because really we are meant to serve and to love our Creator with two hearts. You have a heart that flows physically with newly oxygenated, nutrient-filled blood, that animates every last cell and makes every last cell in your body capable of functioning. And you have a heart that pumps all of the waste that results from the usage of those of that oxygen and nutrients. It's it's an, a, an equally important heart that the other half of the heart that's drawing all that waste back to be able to be eliminated through the exhaling process or the other means of, of elimination. And every t- moment a human being, a healthy human being, is flowing with both. There is nothing unhealthy about flowing with those two distinct cat- two different, distinct cat- aspects of blood. And in that same manner, we flow with two distinct um, flows of, of energy, flows of consciousness. Each and every person experiences flows of warm and trusting energy uh, peaceful understanding and consciousness and every person flows with personal self-centered mistrustful consciousness what how much do you understand about that how much do you understand the truth about that versus how much do you mistakenly associate those feelings with the world around you oh it's coming from uh it's coming from oh why why am i feeling all all agitated and fearful well it's because someone doesn't didn't react to me nicely or something didn't go the way I expected it. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't events in the world. There are events in the world. It's just that our experience of those events is not coming from the events. It's just not. We can have an experience of an event of a a, a traffic that could look on one day highly agitated and another day, instead of it being a 9 out of 10, it's like a 6 out of 10 agitation. On another day, we're completely just accepting of it and not even aware that we're accepting of it. We're just, we're a 2 out of 10. What, what is that? What accounts for the fact that our experience does not translate, it's not static, it's not like a, it's not a plug and play stimulus response experience. It's not always true. I'm not saying there aren't places in our lives where we've really believed and accepted that the world in the circumstance, certain circumstances can shape and, and program us. I think I think every human being has certain places where, they, where this understanding eludes them, where they are fooled by the notion that the world is happening to them and shaping them. Everybody has some place in their life where they feel that kind of belief, yes, this triggers me, there is no alternative but to be triggered by this event. But in general, uh, that doesn't change the basic thesis, that it's not the outside world that's that's doing that. It could be our misunderstanding, our having kind of fallen into a, a misunderstanding that we've come to believe in, that we've truly come to believe in. In Jewish wisdom, we would call that a form of idolatry. It's a form of ascribing power to something other than the single simple source. And... How much freedom and and extraordinary uh, expansiveness is available to a person who is interested in looking for this truth and seeing past this kind of veil of the world being the power behind by the world being an actual independent power. There's so much freedom, so much psychological freedom, so much opportunity. Now, to be clear, as I've shared in the past, I don't know how to... Program myself or anyone else, for that matter, and seeing this insightfully, seeing this in a manner that is available to me, that I see the b- behind the veil. I know about it. I understand the kind of logic about it. There's a basic idea associated with it, a spiritual truth. But knowing the spiritual truth, listening to the spiritual truth, talking about the spiritual truth does not change the law of spiritual truth, which is that things get created. Actual results are fashioned not because of my or any other circumstances of this world making them, things shift and change and transform through the same way, through, through the single, simple power, the single, simple source. It happens to be that it is a mitzvah. It's, a, it's an inherently spiritually valuable activity to learn about and explore this spiritual truth. It's a mitzvah of belief in a cre- single creator. It's, a, it's, an, it's an opportunity to affirm that there are no other powers despite the obvious perception that, that feels the that feels different than that but that that's inherently worthwhile its ability to change us to transform us doesn't come f- directly from our our thinking or listening or talking. It is true that our our willingness to look there to make an effort there, Places us in a wonderful position to see this, to have insights, to awaken to a deeper truth about this kind of beautiful spiritual simple simple idea. So I, I mentioned that today's topic is modesty, dignity, and your inner world, and I want to share with you a, a, a lovely idea that became more clear to me just recently. So I was I had reason. I I I got my first vaccine this week, and I was in a public, I was in a CVS where there was, I was waiting in, for my turn, and there was some kind of music being played in the background, some kind of a popular tune from the radio. And it was kind of an interesting, I couldn't help but listen to part of it. I was sitting there, um, and it was a very, um, very strong communication that the the, the singer was singing to I guess, a beloved, right? Someone significant other. And it was very intimate. And it was kind of, it was a little uncomfortable to be hearing this intimate expression piped through the, the PA system of this public space with dozens and dozens of people. Like, it just felt odd to me that, and then it occurred to me, it's not just dozens of people in CVS, it's Whoever whoever's writing this or whoever's singing this is intending to communicate this to some beloved, but in a way that millions of people should overhear. And and, and it just it just struck me as like, wait a second, why why? Why would someone do that? Like it, that's such a the possibility of something so precious, so so deep and unique as a communication between two two um partners one person to his or her beloved it's so powerful who would want to broadcast that like who would want to share that with millions of people i I couldn't I, i it struck me as as out of place and and what occurred to me was that it doesn't seem to me that this person as much as he is singing about it and going on about it it it's. It strikes me that the, perhaps this person has not really experienced something authentically unique and, ex- and intimate with another person. Like it, it can't. It just doesn't add up to me. A truly private and deep experience. If it were felt by someone, it would seem clear to me they they would just not want to broadcast it. And I, I was speaking with someone who uh, a student of mine, and I asked him, "What do you understand to be the traditional definition of tsnius, tsnius, tsniut?" It's a Hebrew word that usually is translated as modesty. And he said, "Well, I think it has to do with like wearing clothing that covers you—you know—that you you wear clothes that don't co- that that don't expose private parts of your body." And I and I said to him, "You know, that's true, but that's really, in a sense." the outgrowth, that's not the direct, that's not the direct, you're not, you're not, it's not the direct core idea of Snius. SNEAS is the notion of a, um, it's a dignity that is an outgrowth of inhabiting a private space with something so profound as the source of all life. When a person senses that he or she has an and in, in in his own inner experience of the source of all life showing itself making itself felt when a person senses that intimacy that 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 the power of that private unique experience it fills him with these are just words that i, I don't know exactly how to I'm using words to describe something that really doesn't lend itself to a, a, a set of words, but there is an experience of inner wealth of of an inner value that I am somehow present or or, or capable. I'm I'm receiving a, a, a communication, an experience of something that is not of this world, and it's private and unique to me. Uh that is, I'm, I'm obviously pre- party to something profoundly meaningful. That's a, di- that, there's a dignity that is comes along with that. There's a sense of like, whoa, I'm, I'm in the big leagues, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm worthy of an audience with the source of all creation. I don't know how to explain how this. I don't know how else to explain that I'm experiencing this flow and these moods and these kind of static ups and downs, and really none of them are dangerous. They're they're sometimes painful. They're often uh, pleasant and meaningful, but that flow and that fluctuation and that shifting of internal experience, that inner world, it reminds me that I'm on the receiving end of this divine flow. I have an audience and a connection, and I'm aware of it. it. It can fill a person with a sense of of significance, of an inner significance. And in the presence of that inner significance, I just don't... I don't want to broadcast it to people. I don't want to... I, I want to treasure that intimacy. I definitely don't want to broadcast it. And I, I, I recognize that I've got my main audience, my main kind of... I'm in the presence of that creator. I'm in the presence of that source. I'm also in the presence of people... I'm walking down the street, and there's people walking also on the street. I'm at a store, and we're talking to a clerk. I uh, I'm I'm discussing something with a with a friend or a a child or a learning partner. I'm certainly living in a world with other people, but I also inhabit a world that is um, uniquely private and deep, and so. Modesty, dignity, the fact that I would not want to show my, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear a bathing suit in the public space is because I recognize I'm, there's something so profoundly meaningful about my life. Not because I'm personally so great, but because the source of all life has saw fit to share itself with me, to relate to me, to engage with me. I experience that flow. There's something uniquely dignified and valuable about me and I have an audience that is always there I can talk to, can relate to. That source knows me and is aware of my communication and expression and inner communication, whether I say the words out loud or I don't. There's this really intensely powerful sense of of significance and in the presence of that feeling of that that sense of significance, I carry myself differently. Now, it's true, I I don't always feel it, and, and sometimes you kind of, uh, uh, if I sense it more clearly, I act with dignity, and I naturally conv- uh, comport with all these kind of guidelines of dignity. Sometimes I'm not in touch with it, and, and the guidelines that are kind of the outer trappings help me to be kind of cue- cluing in and cueing into the idea of dignity. The physical and the guidelines for the physical are helpful. But mostly, they're an opportunity for me to convey, an, in a world, in an outer, in an outer manner, something that's available to me on an inner manner. I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't share the note that I write to my wife on Facebook. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't share the communication that I have with my child in a touching moment on Twitter or some other social platform because it's just way too precious to me. And the the, the same way. I have that experience of a closeness, of a private space. I also have a private space with the source of all life. And from that comes dignity. From the inner world, from an awareness of the inner world, comes modesty and dignity.